Hello, and welcome back to the Death and Grief Talk podcast. I'm your host, Joelle Maldonado, and I'm also known as the Grave Woman. Have you ever met someone or someones with whom you just immediately click? Where the conversation flows and you're almost finishing one another's sentences? This is exactly how I felt speaking with the ladies of Grief After Dark, connecting and sharing experience about our lives being self-fulfilling prophecies, learning to heal our inner child through our experiences with grief, sensuality, pleasure, taking full autonomy over our lives and grief experience through filtering who and what has access to us, the ability to channel messages, exploring the full spectrum of creativity, and so much more. Dee and Mickey describe themselves as two normalish friends who have survived some dark waters both together and separately. With their Grief After Dark podcast, they look at the whole human emotional drama in the face of and beginning with a deep dive into life, death, and the complexities of grieving. It is their hope that they can be of help to others that are treading the dark waters of grief and loneliness, while also serving as a resource to the support systems of those on the voyage to better understand and connect. How are you ladies doing? Hi, we're doing well. well. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us, Joelle. You're so welcome. It took a minute. Yeah, it it did take a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I had so much fun on your podcast when you guys had me and Uh, everything. We've been trying to coordinate our schedules to be here together. uh, But we made it. But we made it. And also you kept saying divine timing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I texted Mickey and I was like, I need to listen to this because this apparently this message is for me (laughs) because I keep having to have this divine timing and remind myself to be patient and like you kept saying it and then someone else said it to me and then um you know my name Dion means divine and so I'm like maybe I need to be sitting down and listening to whoever trying to put their hands on me right now (laughs) (laughs) because I need some patience isn't it nice when it comes from a bunch of different angles though Mm. Like you get one person saying divine timing and then you're like scrolling through Instagram and there's some big thing about divine timing. And then another friend talks about divine timing and you're like, all right, I hear you. I'm here. What do you want? Yeah. Yes. What do I need? What do I need to be waiting for or what are preparing for? Whatever the hell, man. I like these, these things come through real strong sometimes. <clears throat> So that's the perfect segue into you guys introducing yourself to people that may not know exactly who you are. Um, how, what, what brought you guys together in this time and space to create Grief After Dark? Not just the podcast, but like what in your life brought you guys together? The divine. The divine, <laughs> of course. Oh my gosh. You know, I, so I'm D, I go by D, but... Um, founder of Adventures of Grief Girl, which is just my little artist collective of one, and I have visitors sometimes, and so um, I make grief-related art and tell grief-related stories and, um, you know, kind of coach others to do the same, 
And I met Nikki 20 years ago and, you know, we kind of hit it off and it hasn't been really that separate since, even though for a majority now of our friendship, we haven't even been in the same state. So, um, yeah. and then pandemic hit, I mean, I'm leaving out a lot of stuff, y'all. <laughs> like we got 20, 20 years, years of, yeah. <laughs> of, of shit to talk about. So, <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I kept, I, I was in transition with, you know, one of my workspaces and I was like, what the hell? And then this has kept coming to me that I was going to do something else. And, and it, it, it said grief after dark. And I just wrote it down one day and, and didn't even revisit it. And then Mickey and I were talking one day and, you know, going through the motions and, and trying to work things out. And Mickey, I think you can pick it up. So I'm Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think everybody hates introductions, right? Like nobody really likes to introduce themselves. I think actually in the early days of Grief After Dark, I said I'm a jeweler by day and by night, it's nobody's business. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, amongst many other things that I enjoy, I'm a jeweler by trade. Um, my line is focused on gemstone healing properties. It's called Moonstar Charms. And yeah, Dee and I have always, I think, connected on a really fun genuine, awesome level that for introverts like me is moderately rare, mm -hmm. um, but the only kind of relationship we can really even stomach. And uh, yeah, I had had, I had the idea of doing a podcast for a while. Um, I am an avid podcast listener. I'm kind of an addict. I listen to lots of different kinds of podcasts and as a jeweler, I can just pop the earbuds in and listen while I make the things. So it's great. But I live for good connection and great conversation. And so I thought a podcast with someone cool would be fun. It'd be something, you know, to learn from and, you know, a good excuse to have a weekly party. And Dee and I were on the phone and she's like, I have this idea and it's just the title and it's grief after dark. And I don't know if it's going to be an art installation or what. And I'm like, Dee, do you want to do a podcast with me? <laughs> and she said, yes. And the rest is history. We're, uh, we're wrapping up season two now. And it's been, it's been more than I could have even imagined. It's been incredible. Such a cool experience. Oh my gosh. Like I would have, I, I've always dreamt of having like a little radio show and oh, we <laughs> talk about this all the time with you and I. <laughs> that this is again so what we were talking about before Mickey when before you popped on was that <clears throat> I how I have a lot of the things that I dreamt about as a kid like you know that I have everything I want and and that I always you know kind of choose my kid when it's my inner child when it's related to things that I want to do um <clears throat> and that in my childhood I would I used to record myself doing interviews but I was both the interviewer and the interviewee and I made my own commercials <laughs> you had a podcast I had, had a, a podcast. radio show I and that's so crazy because that was a part of my desire when I was a kid too not knowing what it was I used to do it at church on video and I'm a oh, YouTuber see. you know <laughs> just to give you some context Mickey and those that are listening and watching us in the future <laughs> um before you got on, Dee and I were talking about how she's basically living out 
her childhood fantasy. And basically her life is a self-fulfilling prophecy of that. And I was telling her how amazing it is that she chose her little kid. Mm. That that part of us that we are taught and conditioned to kind of press down and fall in order and, you know, all the things that we're told make us adults. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That rigid lie. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So just to kind of tie this into conversations about grief, what part of ourself do you think dies with that kid that we suppress if we don't choose to follow that kid as it pertains to grief? Especially, I'm very interested to hear your perspective, Dee, because I know that you actually lost a daughter. Right. Um, Shit. That's such a... I think so many parts of ourselves die, like the the intuition, the creativity, the um, willingness to jump in feet first and figure it out on the way um, is if we've become this is how it should be versus this is what it could be and we could see so many possibilities and at any given time whatever we choose like we could pretty much gauge the outcome if we can see ourselves doing the, the actual thing for instance if I see myself practicing my <laughs> art then therefore if I can see myself doing it I can bring that into my physical body and make Mm. it a real thing Mm. does that make sense totally perfect sense so I think that gets stifled in us to where people just can't reach that part of themselves and it's there it's it's always been there you know they think you know I think it is what a lot that happens is you know, we gravitate towards these beings who are that, who are living that. And you're like, my question is always how, (laughs) not, ooh, I could never, Mm -mm. how? Mm. And it's the curiosity and the willingness to just say yes to little things in order to get that reflex back, you know? Um, And then in in grief and, and losing a daughter, like, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see myself doing anything. So it affects everything. The way people think, it it literally changed my brain to where it was like, there was no vision. There was no, like, I can't see where we're going from here. I don't know what's going on. Um, and I felt very crippled by that often, you know, and then the anxiety because of not being able to do and not being able to get up or or look into my own future and say this is what I really want this is how it would feel if I'm doing it this I could get there was numbness and blackness everywhere hence I think that's when grief after dark kind of came to me is when I was realizing that that's what was happening to me I was Mm -hmm. cut off from the world almost and not you know necessarily physically cut off from the world but mentally and emotionally just cut off from everything and everybody. Wow. You just said so many things that I want to respond to. I should have been <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> um, you, the concept of 
doing what we should do rather than what we could do, I think really encapsulates the loss of that like sincere childhood feeling. Mm. Um, Cause you know, it's like, we start out as these organic little critters that are just pretty free in who we are, depending on the circumstances, of course. And then immediately start, we just start having these filters inflicted on us on what we should be and how we should act and how we should present ourselves and, you know, put your pants back on. I'm not saying everybody needs to run around parties with their pants off to (laughs) re-embrace your childhood, although, (laughs) but um, gosh, there's such grief in the loss of that. And then what you were saying, D, about creativity and, and we have also, we've talked extensively because we're both such creative people about the outlet of creativity for grief. And, you know, for me, a lot of times I've always kind of turned to creative process when I'm in my worst spots. And I know I'm not alone based on the art and, and writing floating around out in the world um, and the grief that these people were experiencing. But at least for me, a lot of times I, I now... I have a physical outlet for emotion that I don't know what to do with. And I have this thing to show for it when I'm done. There's something about like a physical manifestation and representation of something. And I'm not like, I'm not creating dark pieces. A lot of times I'm uh, knitting, I'm knitting a sweater or a pair of socks. And if I look at a piece that I've made later, be it jewelry or, or whatever else, I'll remember what I was experiencing when I made the thing. And there's something really cathartic about that process. But um, I feel like it's inevitable to lose so much of that childhood freedom. I don't know if any of us are walking around as adults without that grief, at least mm-hmm. on some, there's some measure of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you said just now, Mickey, and then D, I'm going to come back to you because like Mickey said, <laughs> you said so much, yeah. you said so much. But as you were speaking, I was reminded of something that I really don't talk about a lot, which is the fact that I, when I was a kid, I was put on Ritalin and Adderall and all types of things to turn down what was naturally who I am, like you talk too much. And it wasn't because I was doing something wrong. It was because I was doing something different. Right. So I was taught subconsciously that doing something different than what everybody else is doing in a way that somebody else isn't doing it is bad. Mm-hmm. And I saw that medication as a form of punishment when it was given as love. And so imagine the, the, the confusion now as an adult trying to figure out, well, if you loved me, then why did you try to take apart or take away who I am? And yeah. then humiliated because I had to do something and become something that I wasn't. Right. Um, and so I didn't realize until I started thinking about having children, honestly, that I'm grieving the loss of the potential of what could have come is come from who I really was at that time. Right. 
And so now to tie back into what Dee and I were talking about, about choosing that child, when I have those conflicts or that I, people are shitting all over me, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this, you should do that. I immediately turn it off now, almost in a defensive way, because I'm going to choose who I am. And when I'm working with people that are grieving, so much of that is parallel. Even though I may not have had your loss, I may not have lost the child. My, my spouse may be here. My mom may be here. I completely understand what it's like that your identity has been ripped from you through loss. And mm-hmm. to tie that into what you said, D, not being able to see beyond that black and that numbness, what gave you connection um talking to other people and wait for it Nikki getting the validation that that was actually normal (laughs) and it was part of the process and that it wasn't gonna last forever but in my mind I'm like child five minutes is forever this is too long (laughs) <laughs> like for me that's, a, that's that's several lifetimes for me in my mind mm-hmm. like that's a ooh forever and never those those two things for me are are kryptonite almost if you think and someday oh you could do it someday well today is someday so <laughs> let's hop to it and and being able to like um reach for the creative bit even if I couldn't see it's something that's in my body it's something that I remember it's something I remember that I can do without even thinking about it so once I just picked up a pen and started writing a blog and then it went from there and then it was you know it it morphed every single year it looked different so um this that's when I named it the adventure because this was like a whole ass adventure it was like my side quest that nobody else has gets to go on with me Mm -hmm. I'm gonna see other people there but they're not on my quest but I can ask for tools I can Mm -hmm. give tools away I can you know it's like leveling up in a video game or you meet a certain character you are about to level the fuck up (laughs) are you ready (laughs) because here I have this thing for you and it's for you. And then what's beautiful about a lot of these things is that you can give them to other people mm-hmm. to have access to. So that was the point of my adventure was to like share every single tool that I have with everybody else. Because y'all, we can we can do this. It's gonna hurt. And <laughs> we're not in denial about any of that. And I'm not gonna try to talk you out of your pain because there's nothing I can say that's gonna make that pain it hurt less lighter maybe but it ain't gonna hurt any less right and so you know I think a lot of the times that's when the channeling comes in for me it's just this this it just comes it's like you were talking about when spirit talks to you you just heard now just writing it down like it has to be a practice like that I don't know where it comes from but I know how to channel it now Mm. and I know how to teach other people to do the same as you were talking, I saw Zelda. <laughs> Me too. I think that's the it's only game I ever played that was like that. So yeah, me too. Yep. 
Look at those coins. Yeah. Pass them around. So exactly. Mickey. Mm -hmm. uh, D used a very interesting word. Um, and I think we all are very comfortable with this word, but a lot of times people are not, especially when you start talking about spirituality and death and grief, people get real scared. So Ooh. channeling, channeling. Yeah. Um, I channel through meditation, prayer, oracle cards, walks in nature, messages come to me. What are your thoughts on the mediums that we use to channel and which ones do you connect with the work the most? Um, you know, I think, I think like most things, it really just takes practice and the tools are very handy in the beginning. And then after a while, when you just kind of live it, it's like meditation. And I would say that is definitely one of the first tools I utilized. And today, 20 something years later, it's still probably the most effective for me. When you can get yourself living in that space, um, gosh, I could pick up a rock <laughs> mm. and channel um, nature for sure. I think being the world is so loud and I'm very sensitive which lends itself to channeling, but also can make the world we live in very overwhelming. And so um, stillness and quiet is really important for me. Um, I'm more of a hermit every year that goes by. Every calendar month, we rip off that calendar. I'm more and more comfortable with just being out here. Um, we're lucky enough to live on five acres. And so I've got a good amount of space around me. And that has been really good for me, really good for me. Um, gosh, I, I <laughs> following intuition, I think is, is the easiest answer I can come up with because for example, I woke up the other morning, I slept really bad. My brain was keeping me up in the middle of the night and it wasn't even coherent thoughts. I just felt like my brain was rattling on like mega frequency, not in a good way, just keeping me awake. So restless sleep, I wake up in the morning, I'm exhausted, I've got allergies, it's been crazy windy out here. Um, I feel overwhelmed with work, it's like all the things. And I got my coffee and I did my thing and I was super grumpy and my jewelry studio is adjacent to my house and so, I'm walking out to, I think my studio. And then I just sort of segue into the dirt and junipers past my studio. And I sat my ass right down in that dirt. <laughs> I just sat down in the dirt and <laughs> I put my glasses down and I put my phone down and I ended up just sitting out there for, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And it just kind of hit the reset button for me. And I think, again, with the coulds versus shoulds, a lot of people would think what they should do is get in that studio and get some work done. But what they could do, and inevitably what they realize they should have done in the first place is go sit their ass down in some dirt. Mm. I think really following what feels right. In, in the world of shoulds, it's, it's pitched as counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. 
you're not, you're not living to feel good. You're living to get shit done. Grind culture, get it done, make more money, do the things, go the places. God, even travel stressful now. It's so stressful. <laughs> we can't even take a relaxing freaking vacation. <laughs> yeah. 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 So for, for the purpose of channeling, I really think getting quiet and learning to hear your intuition, to let the shids drop off so that the, the better feeling opportunities, and then just creating space in your mind and heart for those, those good messages, the smarter voices to come through. You said so many things, um, so many things. Like I heard sensuality, I heard pleasure, intuition, being self-aware, blocking out the bullshit, recognizing what is the bullshit and what's the real shit that you really need. And, oh, so many good things. What about you, Dee? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel like I channel so many things. And I've just been able to do it since I was little. I didn't call it channeling when I was little. I'm just over here, you know, drawing pictures of clowns for to sell on my block for 10 cents each because I need some something that I wanted to save my money for. Or I'm making a radio show. Or I am creating with Michael Jackson on, <laughs> you know, whatever. Which, by the way, I feel like he's always been a person who spoke to me even when he was alive. So we could, that part. (laughs) Um, And there's a couple of people, I think, that this has happened to me with, you know, my grandmother, who I didn't even, I didn't know in that sense. I was the last baby she held. But for some reason, I can channel all of her skills that she had. There's only one that I haven't mastered yet, which is sewing with a machine but I can embroider anything mm. like just, and, and she's who I talk to when I'm doing those things. The knitting came from my aunt. My aunt learned from my, from my grandmother. And so when I knit things, I am talking to them and listening for their answers and making like this beautiful, you know, sweater for a baby or whatever it is. So you know, I feel like I can reach into any skill that I have and channel through that mm-hmm. skill. Um, it's just a matter of mood, I guess, for me, a lot of the time. So some, you, you know, sometimes writing's not going to get it. Sometimes, you know, I need to go swing a hammer at something or mm-hmm. play in the dirt or play with clay or play with, you know, paint or write. It's not, I don't have a narrow focus and that has driven so many people crazy but for me that's like a world of possibilities mm-hmm. it's also kind of, it's it's medication for the restless brain because mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with a friend oh my gosh 10 years ago probably when the jewelry business was moderately new And, you know, if you're me, you start a thing and you don't necessarily have any grand notions about it. You just start doing the thing that seems cool. And then it turns into an awesome podcast or a jewelry business or whatever. (laughs) And then some things turn out to not be as fun or I'm not as good at it and they just fall by the wayside and that's fine. But I totally lost my train of thought. 
Well, I've been doing this a lot the last couple of days. I'm blaming the wind and the space eggs. <laughs> the space eggs. The space eggs. The moving planets above us that seem to replicate oh, okay, space. It, like on a real regular basis. <laughs> the space eggs. I love that. Um, Mercury goes retrograde very soon. And that makes me lose my words and talking things. Well, if, while you're trying to remember if you I got, got it, it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I was talking to a friend many years ago about jewelry and it starts out where you do all these different things and that's all good and fine. But then at some point I started feeling like I should really kind of rein it in because there's people who just do beading or they just do these beautiful gemstone set pendants or they just, and I, I did this total like schizophrenic monologue with him where I was like, should I do just the one thing? And will that be more successful? But I really don't want to do the one thing. And I just want to do all the things. And it turns out fast forward 10 years later, you can do lots and lots of different kinds of things, even in one genre of art and do just fine with it. Mm -hmm. Note, note to the rest of you. Yes. (laughs) Very true. Because, and I, I can see that in my own work, like, yeah, I'm a funeral director, but I like to teach, like I like mm-hmm. to paint and I have grief art workshops and I like to talk. So I have a podcast. I love movies. So I talk about death in movies. It doesn't have to be, oh, I work with dead people and I'm somber. And, you know, I've never understood that because death and grief are a reflection of life and life mm-hmm. is diverse. So why does mm-hmm. it look one way? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and gosh, even just the things you teach, you teach on so many topics, fascinating <laughs> topics. Because they're, they're, they exist in people, yeah. you know what I mean? There, yeah. there are experience and yeah, that's another story. But what I was going to say <laughs> when you talked about Michael Jackson, the, um, <laughs> you guys make me talk about things that I don't talk about normally. And I love Yay! that. I'll talk about anything. It's our superpower. <laughs> but <laughs> I am um, a friend of mine and I, the same friend I was talking to you about before we got started. Um, mm-hmm. One night we were just sitting on the phone talking two, three o'clock in the morning having a conversation Michael Jackson comes through and we're having this whole conversation with Michael Jackson about his the way he represented himself in this in this room and he was telling us things about you know why that was and when I got off the phone I'm like okay you've officially lost your shit (laughs) your shit like I've always been able to kind of talk to spirits, I guess. And that was not one I was expecting. We weren't even trying to connect with anything. But when you said that, it just reinforced that divine time, divine time, divine time. Because how many people do you know will randomly say, oh, I talked to Michael Jackson? Seriously, out of all the people I could have said, I think Michael want to talk today because Michael is really the inspiration for all of my performance art. Like when I saw him moonwalking, you remember? <laughs> you know, um, I think that was like a real pivotal point in my life. And he was like doing some stuff that like nobody else was doing. I was like, oh, okay. And the first thought I had was, I can do that. 
And then I went and got this little hat <laughs> and had a little show for my brother and forced him to sit down and watch my show so I could moonwalk for him. Mm. <laughs> so I could get to that part where I throw my hat and get to moonwalking across stage. That was legit. That was my move. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> he was amazing. I knew someone who worked very closely with him for many decades. Mm. And they said he wrote everything down. And I mean, napkins. And so they had these binders after he died, binders and binders. I mean, boxes stacked floor to ceiling of these binders full of scraps of paper that he wrote things down on. He was just, talk about an idea machine. Mm. And then he made it happen. That Thriller video, I was little when Thriller came out and that was the first record I owned. And my parents did not want me to watch the video because it was very sensitive, little wussy kid. And I couldn't watch anything scary. And they're like, you're going to be scared. And then you're going to come wake us up in the middle of the night. And I made them let me watch it. And it was, I mean, we hit record on the VHS. (laughs) (laughs) Had it on tape, watched it over and over. Amazing. As you guys are talking um, and to kind of, I guess, bring everything together, using Michael Jackson as our canvas. (laughs) I truly believe that what we saw and what we appreciated and what made him so powerful was the fact that he followed that little boy that he wasn't able to be. We saw his manifestation of his dream, Mm -hmm. his person, his self-fulfilling prophecy that he didn't get to have. Yes. Essentially. And, and, it was incredible. And I feel like he was a channeler for sure. You know, for sure. For sure. I think a lot of us are, I, I, all of us, honestly, like I keep saying, we all have this ability. Nobody is special. <laughs> like ain't nobody special. Ain't nobody left out. At all. Because we're sitting here on somebody's idea who back in the 60s was putting this on television that we were going to have these computers that we could touch and through holographics and hollow decks and things it's coming it's coming somebody was sitting around dreaming about that and we can now make it and we can build on other people's dreams and like so maybe we don't have all the components maybe we can't hear all the things that need to be said so we need to grab this engineer over here what do you, how does this work can we put these two things together and make some magic? Mm-hmm. Like what would happen if we put these two things together? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And when we naturally do this and we don't call it magic anymore because the hustle, the grind, and we are distinctly out of touch with that intuition. But look at some of these really great artists in the world. There, you, there's no way you can tell me <laughs> that that's not some divine shit like there's no matter what it is like an airplane y'all 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 messing around like come on this is this and and the our ability to like create things in order to survive mm-hmm. like for me this is all very much heavy like heavy alchemist work and transmutation and all of those things and you know if we can carry down traits like 
eye color and, and things we can't make decisions about. Why can't we listen to our DNA when it's talking? Why can't we listen to mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe they're a natural at tennis. Somebody wrote that into your DNA one of them times. And maybe you're just good at it. <laughs> and that, you know, um, that natural dancing ability, a natural singing ability. You know, we've seen people do this many times, you know, but we just dismiss it as like, oh, it's something special. We could never. Yeah, you could. <laughs> you you totally can. You could. just, yeah, have to free yourself up enough to dream it in the first place mm -hmm. and then be willing to take it from dream into possibility. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is childhood. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's so, and it's so simple. <laughs> like you were saying, like, we're like, even as kids, we're like, well, I can't wait until I'm grown. You just said that earlier. Yep. Your mom and her wisdom is like, cross that bridge when you come to it. <laughs> yeah. Cross that bridge when you, hey. You might be careful what you wish for. Yeah, take or, your time. You know, these these um, anecdotes or these little things, they, they, were very, they had some potency behind them, you mm -hmm. know? And it may not have always been of experience, but it's, hey, I can actually reach into my spirit and tell you what it feels like to be so fucking exhausted that you just don't want to be alive no more. Mm -hmm. I can tell you exactly how that feels. Mm -hmm. but if you're telling it to somebody who's never had that feeling they're like oh, I don't know. I'm gonna be fine right <laughs> I'm Suck gonna be fine yeah you're not tired come on everybody's come on tired <laughs> yeah you know so it's like it, we're so dismissive just in, in regards to grief too it's like you know you should oh, be yeah. over that by now or you should be you know we're, we're busy patting 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 and hoping folks get along but we don't um know how like how are you gonna skip over the how part y'all mm -hmm. <laughs> like you can't just tell me to do a thing but don't tell me how right right and, and I think that's why it becomes magic and why it becomes mm -hmm. because we don't tell the how mm -hmm. so it has to be ooh, you know mm -hmm. the how has to be this thing and it's really yeah. not. <laughs> it's yeah. just secret yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. damn secret y'all <laughs> not um yeah I think the more the more we can honor being in that space that creative space or that you know what you were saying about pleasure and and sensuality and all of those things are very much connected to and you know and what's one of the things that shut down in women our sexuality at, at every at every chance and turn and gestures broadly of what's going on right now um, you know if that's the one thing and that's the life force yeah you mentioned that you couldn't sleep the other night Mickey and when you were saying that I wanted to ask you if it was today's Thursday so it had to be Tuesday night was it Tuesday night you couldn't sleep it was oh it was Monday or Tuesday night because I couldn't sleep Tuesday night either. And when I finally got to sleep, again, divine timing, um, I had this horrible dream about being in the, like the mountains with all these kids. Like it was like a summer Ooh. camp retreat. And the kids, of course, being in their innocence, trusted 
I guess the adults in the situation. And then all of a sudden the majority of the adults started trying to kill the kids and myself and someone else in the dream, were trying to get the kids to safety, got them down the mountain into this bus. Little did we know the person that was driving the bus was a part of the team that was trying to kill the kids. And as I'm listening to you all speak, which is why my face is just doing all this stuff. (laughs) I'm hearing the grief of our childhood. And it breaks my heart for kids that are a part of this whole new world we're in post COVID who aren't going to have that connection And they're going to have what they need. You know what I mean? They're going to have what they need. But I'm thinking, I could go in so many different directions. I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but (laughs) I'm literally sitting inside my grandmother's house that I grew up spending a lot of time in looking outside at the yard and I can see myself playing out there. I can see myself in the pool in the back. And literally most of what the kids of the future are going to know is only going to be this this that we're in right now this box this metaverse this technology and it breaks my heart because I'm I'm looking at the grass and I'm remembering how that feels things I haven't remembered in years mm-hmm. and it's all flooding through and it's making that dream make sense and it's making that restlessness make sense and it's making that Michael Jackson connection make sense and it's making it's just making everything make sense and I just appreciate you guys because you've opened this space with this conversation So my question to you is, how are you going to choose that kid moving forward? How should we choose that kid moving forward? And it's kind of rhetorical. Right. I, you know, I appreciate being given the space to talk about this. It's not something we really go into deeply on our show either. So this is really nice. Um, For me, I am noticing that I need to listen to her first because Mm. she always tells the truth. Mm. Like she always tells the truth. She's like, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Don't pick that. Don't do that. (laughs) I don't want that. And her tone, I think I need to work on her tone a little bit, but she's, she's, you know, she's, she's got ideas. Like this is, this is what I want and don't try to pacify me with anything else right now the quicker we can get to the point the better off we're all going to be and so you know um listening to my first instinct that first when in every situation and and deciding from there how to proceed Mm. I think again with every month I tear off of the calendar year it it's easy. We get further from the child in us by nature in some ways, but also it's the hard sell of the society we live in. They sell it hard and we all buy it up on some level. And if I'm going to be honest, I've definitely made too many choices in my life that had more to do with um, what other people thought I should do and how other people think I should live and look and, you know, and so 
I find it helpful these days to kind of take a step back before I make choices, especially when I know I don't want to do it. I know I don't want to do it. And so if I don't want to do it, but I feel like I should say, yes, I'm getting better at taking a step back and really feeling whether or not I want to do it. And listen, we all have to do shit that we don't want to do. It's just life. It's cool. We're all adults here, but there's a lot of things too, that I've done that I really didn't need to do. I was doing it to appease other people that are just never going to be happy. Anyway, I show up and they're still unhappy. So why am I here? Um, that just, just taking a break first and trying to tap back into that sort of more pure essence of how things feel. And I think my emotional space is usually the best indicator. And I'm, I'm so glad that what I said before was resonating sensuality and pleasure because D and some of her incredible friends have been drilling this into me on our own podcast and God bless them. I've been hearing this from her and other people so much now that it's finally sinking in. And when you're chasing pleasure, life, even if you go about the same things you do every day, things start to really look different and feel mm. different. You guys have to talk to, if you haven't already, um, you have to talk to Oceana end of life doula. She actually has a book coming out called life, death, grief, and the possibility of pleasure. Ooh, love it. Yeah. And she was a sensuality connoisseur. Ooh, oh yeah. <laughs> for yeah. 20 something years. And yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. I actually interviewed her Tuesday and it was phenomenal, but you guys should definitely check her out. Um, so we're out of time, ladies, before. Oh my God, already? Already. We haven't been here that long. I swear we haven't. <laughs> but before we go, um, how can those that are watching, listening, and enjoying this conversation and hopefully finding the courage to chase that inner child, AKA pleasure, sensuality, whatever you want to label it as. Oh. How can I find you and support you? Well, we are at griefafterdark.com and we're also on Instagram at griefafterdark and I'm adventures of grief girl, all one word. Um, and then we, you know, from there you can kind of connect to all the other things that we do because there's so many things. Yeah. <laughs> there's, so many things and because my brain is all over the place all the things are now going to be all over the place so you know <laughs> you won't you won't find the same conversation on every platform so you know you you will find some things about the pleasure temple you know somewhere else or you know I don't talk about them all in the same space but um <laughs> wild ride yeah it's a rabbit hole <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the podcast, and also, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Season, season one of grief after dark is a, exclusively on Spotify because we decided we wanted to add a song at the end of every episode and Spotify lets us do that. Um, so season one on Spotify, you have to create an account, but it's free to listen and it's ad free and season two is available anywhere you listen. Awesome. And season three is in the works. Season three is in the works. I'm so excited. Thank you. <laughs> I'm ride. Ride this was for you. 
this was a fun, this was a fun chat. Thank you so much. Thank oh you God. guys for being here. I hope that you'll come back in divine. Oh, absolutely. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> what am I doing? Tomorrow? I'm not actually doing let's anything. start planning now and we'll make it happen like end of summer. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. So thank you again. Yeah, thanks, thank Joelle. you so much. I mean, don't be a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. Um, even just for a regular old conversation so yeah, we don't sure. have to be recording ourselves it's just yes. cool. we could just we could just chill yes <laughs> I'm telling you guys bring stuff out of me that I just did I didn't even not that I didn't know it was there it was just I just don't talk about it because I'm like who else thinks about this shit I mean, there are people <laughs> that think about it we do <laughs> the next time yeah. we have to talk about connecting with others as introverts especially like oh. during times of grief because that's a whole thing oh yes mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. We actually, we have our episode, um, dropping next week is, is we extensively get into connection Mm. and all three of us are mega introverts. So yeah. (laughs) Which people don't notice that about me because I'm always, you know, because I do the talking, I know Joel, you probably have this too, where people think you're so outgoing and you're just, you know, want to be, no, that's the showpiece. Like just listen to what we're doing and then leave me alone. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I, I so had that experience like two weeks ago. I had to go out of town for a business trip. And it's weird when people meet you and they think they know you because they've seen you on TV or YouTube or whatever. And it's like, they want to talk. And I'm like, okay, I've been in this meeting all day. That's, I have 50%. I have to do this dinner. I'm down to 25%. Now you want to talk to me and I'm at 2%. You're going to leave here thinking I'm a bitch because I, I'm just done. There's no I just want to be left alone. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I tried to not, I try to force it, but then it doesn't, it's, it's not. It doesn't work when you force it. So, you know, I try to be as honest with people as possible. And if they don't believe me, that's their problem. That's it. I can't, (laughs) I'm not handholding anymore after that. (laughs) So I think I'm getting some weird (laughs) thing going on. Now you're just a let go. There you are. Yeah. There. I was like, what happened to her? But yeah, I got some, I got a call coming in, but it's fine. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Um, live life, live hard. Yes. See you next Thank time. Yay. <sighs> Thank you so much for listening to the death and grief talk podcast. To learn more about the grave woman, visit www.thegravewoman.com.